Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome into a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Dry and no longer wet. Well, I guess that's what dry means. But either way, you get what I'm saying. The monsoon in Jacksonville on Sunday didn't matter. Didn't care. I didn't care. I actually said it on Friday night. Before we going down there, previewing the game, talking about my keys to the game, I said, I don't care if it rains buckets. Doesn't matter. As long as we walk out of there with a W over the Jacksonville Jaguars, I will feel great, as will everybody else. And that was the general feeling coming back, or actually walking off the field yesterday. Joyful players. Coaches were happy. It was just a really, it was a good day. And there were a lot of good things to be had. I was listening to the OG, John Lopez, and he said something that I, th- I thought was, was very on point. He talked about prior to this game, in 13 games, you're thinking, okay, what's, what's going to happen? What's the future? You know, where's the hope, so to speak? You know, what do you find? And you go to this game against Jacksonville, and you know, a lot of people are thinking, well, you don't want to win this game because you want to have great draft status and all this kind of stuff. And, and in all honesty, I came out of there thinking, Davis Mills, looking very good. Look really good. Garrett Walla, linebacker. Look, that guy's going to find a way on a field for this team. I don't care whether it's a fifth-round pick. I'm telling you, the way that guy played, that's as good a linebacker play as I've seen in a while. I mean, he was very, very good. I could see him playing. You had those two guys, two rookies, making a place. And, of course, Brandy Cooks, how the line was reconfigured. All these guys dealing with COVID, 11 of them. And, unfortunately, there's more news today. Malik Collins, Derek Rivers, and Jacob Martin were put on the COVID-19 list. Now, there has been fast and furious changes to the protocols. And there, there's now going to be selective testing. They're going to decide, okay, we're going to test these people on this day, these people on this day. Not everybody's going to be tested every single week. And I think the biggest change is the fact that the rule prior to the protocol prior to is if you were vaccinated and asymptomatic and you could produce two tests, two negative tests within 24 hours, then you were good to go. Now it is just two negative tests. So we've seen a number of LA Rams. I think Odell Beckham Jr. was one. I think there was a handful of others that got those two negative tests and they don't have to be 24 hours apart apparently. So that can get players uh, potentially back sooner than later. Now, if they're not able to, then it's a 10-day window, and then you can get players back at that point. So there might be some that can get uh, free from that 10-day window. Uh, There might be some that can get those negative tests. I'll tell you this, with Grenard, Malik, Derek Rivers, Jacob Martin, I don't know if there's anybody else I'm forgetting, but that's a lot of defensive linemen uh, three of them that I thought played very well yesterday. Jacob Martin didn't get a sack, but I thought he was doing his thing and his thing being constantly moving around. Very difficult uh, to try and block. I thought Malik was very good in the middle. And, of course, Derek Rivers got a sack. I believe it was his first first sack of the year. Uh, I, um, I want to say maybe he had another one earlier, but I think Derek Rivers has played some good football. So, first and foremost, health. Getting guys back healthy, that's the most important thing out of all of this. And then hopefully they can get back on the field and do something against the Chargers. Now, the Texans are not alone. 
There is news that came out of the Chargers camp today, and that is with a couple of guys that also went on COVID-19, namely Joey Bosa. Now, until they tell me COVID-19 and Justin Herbert, are until those two are the same sentence, I'm not going to lose too much sleep. But apparently the Chargers had three that went on the COVID-19 list, Joey Bosa being one of them, Corey Lindsley starting center, Andre Roberts, we know him, Tavon Campbell, Trey Marshall, Chris Rumpf, and Kamon Hall. Austin Eckler was reported to have gone on the list, but apparently that is not true as of this point. doesn't mean that he won't, but it looks like right now he's not. But Joey Bosa, Corey Lindsley, two big names there to keep an eye on for the Chargers. Now, that's a, a pair of really good players for the Chargers. The Texans now have 14 on the COVID list. Yet! Yet, went to Jacksonville yesterday, got a dub. That was nice. Very, very nice. All right, it's time to talk to our good pal, Andre Ware. I always love having Dre on because when it's the three of us, we sort of forget that we're doing a radio show and the three of us just talk like we're talking during the breaks of a game or just chatting on the phone. So it's always fun when we catch up with Andre Ware. So here we go. All right, so let's talk about the quarterback situation first with Davis Mills. What did you see yesterday, my friend? Uh, I thought he played a, a steady game, a consistent game, a, you know, where he, did, he took care of the football, led the team when he needed uh, a score. Uh, he was able to do that in certain situations. So when Jackson, when he, he started to feel like Jacksonville was going to get back in the game, he would, you know, lead the team down and uh, find a way to either put a field goal up or uh, – get them in the end zone so I thought it was a steady performance and uh, it was what we were looking for in terms of him continuing to grow a complete game so to speak that we talked Mm -hmm. about at the top of uh, the broadcast where he went from start to finish it didn't stop at halftime he came out of the locker room and they were able to put points up in the second half and and, uh, a lot of it had to do with uh, with uh, with him okay I don't know if you guys have the same sort of uh, reaction. Mm-hmm. But whenever – and this is paying off of the tease of segment late. Sorry, guys. Whenever the quarterbacks – whenever the Texas quarterbacks run a quarterback sneak, I freak out. I panic because I mm-hmm. remember Schaub. I oh, also remember Savage. Savage in 2016. I panic. Thankfully, Davis Mills got up uh, after that, and I felt okay. Dre, we've been talking, obviously, about a number of things. And one of them that stood out was the play of Garrett Wallow. And with Davis Mills and the way that he played, we've seen Nico make plays this year. We know he's going to be around for a while. He's made a ton of plays. Roy Lopez has made a ton of plays. Brev didn't play much yesterday. He's dealing with a hand. He was dressed, but had a hand issue, kept him out. But it was Wallow that we really hadn't seen a lot other than special teams. We saw him come in the Seattle game, and you're like, okay, I want to see more of this. After yesterday – I want to see all of it. Dre, what do you think of the way that Garrett played yesterday? Yeah, kind of his performance or the way he played yesterday reminds me a little bit of uh, Camus Grugier-Hill, the way he flies around and, and makes plays and hits guys. And, you know, I think it's important to have veterans on your team, especially when you have rookies coming in that you feel aren't ready, that they have something to mimic uh, during practice, mm. during meetings, how to be a pro. And, and I think Garrett has – 
had the benefit of doing that with Kamu, you know, watching him play, and then all of a sudden you get your shot. Okay, this is how to do it. Uh, productive player in front of me, and now I get to step in and try to do some of those same things. And and uh, he was he was able to do that yesterday. I thought it was a, a, a solid performance, both on uh, special teams and, you know, he's probably a little sore today, a little tired because yeah. he played some special teams and, and had to play uh, uh, every snap on the defense. Dre, what does this win do for them? Obviously, draft-wise, some people are – some – not everybody, obviously. Some people are complaining, oh, my gosh, you hurt your draft status. But doesn't it help these young players to have some success here late in the season, pulling out a game like this where you're really undermanned against a team that, look, they were fired up. I know that they're not having a good season either, but they were fired up with the departure of Urban Meyer. There was a little juice in the building, and the Texans took it to them. Well, you have to keep this in mind. Um, fans are going to be around. They're going to be around for, for years to come decades and so on and so forth if you don't win in the nfl as a player and as coaches and as front office staff you're not going to be around you know you're not going to be there long so you've got to make sure that uh you're winning games when you need to win games or you know there there's no there are no mulligan years for staff for for nick and for coach cully and and these players they've got to win as many games as they possibly can and come back and compete compete for spots the next year. Otherwise, that clock runs out pretty quickly. So uh, you got a chance to win games. You win them. You worry about where, you, how and where you're going to ha- uh, handle the draft when that gets there. But uh, you got to take care of what's in front of you. Otherwise, uh, you'll be either on trying to make another roster or out of the NFL. All right, Trey, this is going to sound like a weird question coming from me because of my disdain for kickers. But mm-hmm. – the way that Kaimi Fairbairn is kicking the ball, two 50-yard field goals in the second quarter yesterday, one at run right at the end of the half after Davis, with all three timeouts, was able with 21 seconds to get off three. As a quarterback, I, and I know you and I know you well, you were thinking about sevens, not threes. But mm-hmm. how important is it to have a guy kicking like Fairbairn does as a quarterback to know, look, if I just get us to the 35-yard line, I know Kaimi's going to knock that thing home. I know it might be third and 20, but if I just get this ball to the 35, I know he's going to knock this home for us. How important is that for a quarterback to at least have that card in his back pocket, if you will, to not feel like, man, I got to go all the way down because we're not going to get points if we don't get this thing in the end zone. How important is that for a quarterback to feel that way? Well, it's important, but, you know, I love him, but I don't want to need him. You know, and that's uh, yeah. that's just how yeah. I've always lived when it comes to, to kickers. You know, you love them. And I trained hard at, at the University of Houston just about every day with a guy named Roman Anderson. He wasn't. Yeah. I was convinced he was some other position in a kicker's body because of the way he worked. And I just enjoyed the time being around him. We'd go back and forth. He'd pick me up one day. I'd pick him up. But there aren't a whole lot of those running around. So. Um, but with with t- in regards to your question, you know that a guy can kick under pressure, and yeah, you have the luxury in a close game to to know that this is the position on the field I need to get to. Now you never really go into it thinking that way, but after the, a drive is over and it's you know you've you've uh, used third down and now it's fourth down. Where are we? Are your process and all that? Once you get to this point, uh, you know that he's going to be money. He can make it under pressure and. And keep us. We might need to be two scores up, and that puts that field goal puts us two scores up. Well, that's that's a good one to have in your back pocket each and every time you take the field. 
Dre, you and I are watching Trevor Lawrence warm up, and he makes some eye-popping throws. There's no doubt about it. You can see the talent, the arm talent. I mean, physically, he's just marvelous. But yeah. in the game, not as much. I know there were some drops yesterday. What are you seeing from him? What does he need to continue to work on to reach his potential? I think he just needs to continue doing exactly what he's doing, Mark. Uh, you know, you've got to get some talent around him. And we, we talked about it a little bit during the broadcast there's some injuries up front there's some injuries out you know the, in terms of skill position players wide receivers that that aren't there for him uh and ty and dan arnold at at tight end so to speak so uh i, I he can't throw it and catch it there were a tremendous amount of drops yesterday in, in regards to that so i think he's just got to continue what he's doing now the, to that point there may be a whole different situation where he's a rookie all over again next year when they hire a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, if they wash everything out and decide to start over again, uh, he will play like a rookie again next year because he's still processing a new offense. And uh, that's unfortunate because I've lived in, I'd lived and did that for three out of the four years I was in Detroit. That That's a tough spot to be in. Dre, the Tennessee Titans are they folding? Are they choking? I don't know, but it doesn't look good for Mike Vrabel. That win against the Jaguars is really the only thing that stands in the way of them not being tied with the Colts coming fast behind them. We saw the Titans just completely melt down in the game. We played against them. Without Derrick Henry, it's a completely different team. Do you think – now the Titans play the Niners – I don't remember who the game is after that, and then they play us. The Colts, they play the Jaguars the final game, and I'm trying to remember who they play. Can the Colts catch the Titans by the end of the year? Before you answer that, by the way, guys, the Titans ran for 201 against the Steelers. Deontay Foreman had 108 yards. They ran for 200-plus as a team yesterday against Pittsburgh. But And Roethlisberger only throws for 148. And what did the Steelers run for? 35. That's it. That's it. They should have won this game, and they didn't. Yeah, that to me is a sign. Drake, <laughs> yeah. the Titans. I, absolutely. I, th I think we talked about, or I mentioned this last week, that I thought the Colts would win the division. Um, and, and that's mm -hmm. with Tennessee being out there, you know, a couple of games in front of them. One, because of all the injuries in Tennessee. Derrick Henry, as you mentioned, Johnny, Julio Jones left the game with a hamstring again, and I don't know what's going on with Julio. He just can't seem to stay healthy. A.J. Brown has been injured and banged up. I think he might be on IR right now. And then there's no Janu Smith uh, coming in the door. He's in New England. So uh, they're not versatile at tight end the way they have been in years past. So when you look at all the injuries, uh, you look at, you know, the schedule that's, that's coming up, I don't think the, the Titans hold on and the Colts have gotten healthy to this point in the season. They've got just about everybody back. Even T.Y. Hilton is making plays yesterday, as I saw some some of uh, that on, on uh, the highlights last night. So it's I, I think absolutely they've got the the uh, the league's best rusher in uh, in Taylor. So, yeah, I, I, I picked the Colts to win the division uh, and that was giving Tennessee a head start. And I still believe that. Wow. Brady last night, Andre, he gets blanked by the Saints at home. This is not exactly a loaded Saints team. You're at home. You're in the division. 
people get hurt. They're dropping like flies. Fournette out. It was Mike Evans out. Who else was out? Who else got hurt? Godwin, Godwin got, got hurt. hurt. They all the got team. hurt. But you expect somehow, some way to be able to put put up more than zero points in the contest. Your thoughts on Brady and where it's all going from here because nobody's getting any younger around here, and I'm wondering where he's headed. You know, I, you know, every time we, we do this to Brady every year, don't we? I know. We start to doubt him, and then all of a sudden he, he reminds us that he's Tom Brady. Just watch the next week when they come out to play and, and, and how mm. effective he, he really is. But you know you gotta you gotta give the the uh, Saints some credit here because it's a gutsy performance. COVID hit the building. They had sev- several players go down uh, with COVID. Coach. They're they're playing without the, you know starting quarterback now. Taysom Hill is in uh, full time at quarterback. A coach and play caller and Sean Payton missed yesterday's game. And so to put nine up and you tell your defense, hey, you're the strength of this football team. Uh, go out and put it on your back and and get us get us down the stretch, they were able to do that. And I thought it was just one heck of a – just a gutsy performance from the Saints. Listen to this schedule for the Bucks on the way out. Panthers, Jets, Panthers. <laughs> win, yeah. win, win. You're right, yeah. Dre. They're in it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dre, at 10 wins, I think the Cardinals are going to end up getting the playoffs at a minimum. At a yeah. minimum with yeah. 10 wins. But they are leaking oil badly. If they don't win the division and eke into the playoffs and then just peter out in the playoffs, do you think there's any way they would consider Cliff Kingsbury not being the coach going forward? Here's their schedule, by the way. Cardinals? Yeah, Cardinals schedule. Colts at home this Saturday. ah, Oh, boy. All right, so Christmas Day with the Colts. That's a Christmas night game. Mm, Uh, Then they're going to go to – then they're going to go to the Cowboys, okay? Ooh. Ouch. Mm. And then mm. they have Seattle at home in a guns blazing showdown January 9th with uh, who knows what they're playing for I at mean, that point. I mean, there's a possibility with Hop not coming back on, at a minimum until the championship game. Yeah. They go 0-3. That's 10-7. and 7. I think mm-hmm. it gets them in the playoffs, but I don't know. Dre, how do you look at that situation in Arizona with Cliff? It's, a, it's another team that resembles Tennessee from an injury standpoint. Now you've got probably the most important piece of that offense out. You mentioned it with Hop uh, and some surrounding players there. Uh, I don't think they win against the Colts uh, mm-hmm. at home. I don't think they go to Dallas and win, and then who knows about the Seahawks game. I mean, that that's, a I think, a toss-up game, but I would favor Seattle in that one just because they don't have the weapon on the other side, and A.J. Green hasn't really shown uh, flashes of his old self where he needs to really step up in the absence of, of hop. So um, yeah, without that, Connor is going to be leaned on. James Connor is going to be leaned on in the running game and both as a receiver, but I just don't see how they get it done in the next three. That that's as, as easy a schedule as it is for the saints going down the stretch. It's totally a 180 for the Arizona Cardinals on the other side, trying to finish up the season. I think they finish. 10 and 7, and, and hope that that's good enough to get them in the playoffs. But I, I don't see them winning in the next three weeks. How about this? When the Texans played at Miami, the Dolphins and the Texans were both 1 and 7. Well, the yeah. Dolphins are now 7 and 7. They've won six in a row. They beat the Jets yesterday. Tua throws for two touchdowns. He throws a pick six pretty late in this game, but they rally, they respond, yep. they overcome it, they score again. 
and they win. And Duke Johnson, who's he? 22 carries, 107 yards yesterday for Miami. I'm not saying he can do this every week, but what a performance yesterday. You want to talk about rallying. They rallied. Andre, I bring this up because it is impressive. I mean, I'm just following this from a football fan standpoint objectively. And, wow, winning six in a row after a 1-7 and seven start, that's nice because they were left for dead by everybody. But Tua mm-hmm. is the quarterback, and they're doing this, and it's not like he's lighting up the world. What do you think they're thinking about Tua right now with three games to go in the season? I, I think Tua, a healthy Tua, is starting to remind Miami exactly why they drafted him in the first place. And, and he's starting to play that way. He's gotten comfortable. He's had the same system now for a couple of years in a row. And you've, you've heard me mention that on a, on a couple of occasions uh, during, this, d- during the time we've been on today because that's so important to a quarterback mm-hmm. to come back to a foundation of what you've done the previous year and be able to build on that. And you're starting to see that with Tua. I don't think Miami, I don't, I don't think the Dolphins are no, they're no longer looking for a different avenue at quarterback. I think Tua is the guy, Brian Flores, uh, you know, all of a sudden he, he was reminded that I need to win here. I don't know how much time they're talking about running Tua out of town. I may be next as the head coach. You know, I got to play some things or do some things that, uh, that win us football games. And they've been able to string, what did you say, seven? Six or seven yep. of them in a six. row now. Six in a row now to get to 500. Uh, it's it's outstanding. And so you got to win in this league. When there's a chance to win, you win. You don't play. Uh, it's not fantasy football or fan football. You've got to win games or you're not going to be there. And I think the Dolphins and Brian Flores, uh, they, they were reminded of that. Tua was reminded of that. And now they're reaping the benefits. We talked about a lot of quarterbacks today, Dre. We have not talked about the Texans' upcoming opponent the day after Christmas. And mm-hmm. we've seen some dudes this year. Trevor Lawrence can throw it as well as anybody. Um, we didn't see Tua, which I wish we would have in Miami. That was kind of – I still think there was something going on there. I don't know. Anyhow, uh, Tua is making do with George Godsey as his offensive coordinator. So, you know, well, there you go. George Godsey, Duke mm. Johnson, Texans, uh, South. <laughs> But Justin Herbert's <laughs> coming up next, Dre, and he was drafted the pick after Tua Tungavailoa, and I know a lot of times people are like, oh, Miami should have taken Justin Herbert. Look, I think is going to be just fine in Miami, just give him a time, and give him a running game. Give him a running game. Mm-hmm. Give Davis Mills a running game, see what happens. What are your thoughts on what you've seen thus far, not even two seasons in, from Justin Herbert with the Chargers, and how dangerous is that team with him pulling the trigger if they have all their dudes healthy on the outside? Yeah, very dangerous. I mean, that, this is—he—he's been very impressive in the in the short time that that uh, that he's been in the lineup. Uh, he's led a bunch of fourth quarter comebacks in a very short period of time, and you know he can make every throw. He's athletic enough to to move around. He, he recognizes blitz and is able to get the ball out to the matchup of uh, of his preference. And he's got some players around him, Mike Williams uh, at wide receiver. They've got some other tight end and, and Jared Cook. That's playing well, uh, and then the running game with Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. They can. They, they, this is a dangerous team, and I haven't even gotten to the defensive side of yeah. things with Bosa and and the guys that, that play on that side, Derwin James and the like. So it's it's a good football team, a hungry team that they know they've got to keep pace in uh, in their division. So they need a win. They'll come in and they'll be ready, focused to play. This this will be a tough one next weekend. Dre, I watched Bailey Zappi play on Saturday night as I couldn't sleep because this was in the middle of the night they were doing the replay. 
And right. the kid's got a lot of juice. I mean, he has a lot of energy, throws it around like crazy, obviously record-smashing kind of guy. Uh, what are your thoughts on him, and how tough is it to evaluate a player like that who's not playing in the SEC or something, but he's still putting up a lot of yards and he does seem to have a lot of the attributes you'd want to see in an NFL quarterback? Yeah, you. I know you like him a lot. I, I've seen him a few times now, and I like what they do. I like how they spread it out. They we were talking a little bit about that yesterday, keeping it spread, uh, the field spread, mm-hmm. even when you get inside the red zone and things of that sort. And, and, and I think that's to your advantage. you got a tremendous play caller, and he's familiar with, obviously, the offense that they're, they're running. But, yeah, I, I think he can transition. It, it's some, it's, it, all it takes is one team, and somebody will give him that shot. But he can certainly throw it all around the park, make all the throws, and mo- he's mobile enough and athletic enough to, to deserve or warrant a shot. And that's all you need is – just getting your foot in the door. All right. Anything else, Johnny? Oh, I was just going to say, he, he's Derek Carr. He's, he's, de- he's Derek Carr. That's, that's and, how and Johnny if you, feels. If Bailey Zappi gets to a Derek Carr career, man, you got to feel really, really, yeah. really good I mean, about that, that. I'm cheering for the guys from Victoria. You know, you so, know, Derek Carr is the leading him. passer in the history of the Raiders. Think about that for a moment. I think he's the most underrated quarterback in the NFL. He's not always perfect. But, man, Derek Carr can do some things, and hopefully he is going to end up in a good situation, be it Las Vegas or somewhere else. In 2022, all right, we get back. We talked to our guy John McClain late in the show. Hear what he had to say about this trip to Jacksonville next on Texans All Access. On Texans All Access. On Texans All Access. On Texans. Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, your host, football analyst and sideline reporter. And I got to give some props to today's biggest fan out there, and that's Dykin. These guys are doing big things in Houston. From comfort and convenience to air quality, Dykin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future. Reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. As the world's number one air conditioning company, Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. Learn more at perfectingtheair.com. It's Daikin. Yes. All right, let's get back to it with our man, John McClain, as this segment is brought to you by Mattress Firm, the official mattress retailer of your Houston Texans. We didn't get as much time with John as we would have liked, but it's always special when the general joins the show. Well, tell us your thoughts on what you saw yesterday as the team pulled out a win, banding together with a lot of guys out. I was listening to you guys talk to Andre Ware, and uh, I believe you neglected to point out the Titans have swept the Colts. So it's a two-game lead with three games left. And yesterday, the Titans had four turnovers. Ryan Tannehill did not play well. Take out any, any team has a great runner. Take out Jonathan Taylor from the Colts, plus A.J. Brown is on IR. He's about to come out. So I still think I picked the Titans before the season. I still think it'll come down to the last game here. And they're telling me there's a good chance Derrick Henry could be playing in that game, be his first game back. And the thing about Jacksonville, people ridicule, well, you beat the Jaguars. Well, the fact is two times this season, the odds makers in Las Vegas have set the Jaguars as favorites over the Texans. And not like one or two points either. And the Texans waylaid them both times. And Jacksonville's offense was struggling. Mark, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence, one touchdown in seven games. That was on thanks Halloween. And their defense is 21st going into the game, 16th against the pass. So they were not uh, – a, a the defense was not a slouch. 
So the Texans, what they did, I thought was impressive. And the Texans' defense with five starters out for them with COVID-19, I thought that was a really impressive performance. And the yards they allowed rushing, fourth fewest of the season. So despite having all those starters out, they did a good job of James Robinson. And the, remember, the, in the last three games before Jacksonville, Texans had given up an average of 196 yards a game rushing. And the Jaguars emphasized the run with Robinson, and they did not hurt them. In fact, the defense gave up one touchdown. I thought that Lovey Smith, the defensive coordinator, and the much maligned Tim Kelly, the offensive coordinator, deserves some praise for that performance. And, John, I mean, there are a number of players that deserve praise, but we we focused on a couple of guys. Garrett Waller we've talked about a little bit, but Davis Mills, I feel like there were three throws that just showed the progress and the maturation, the first touchdown to Cooks, the, the screen to Cooks, and that's such a great throw, but that's got to be a precise throw. And then the throw that he threw to Philip Dorsett down the far sideline, uh, uh, that the blitz beater was just fantastic. John, what do you think of Davis Mills and how he handled things especially getting 10 points in the second half. My God, we haven't seen that around in a while. So your thoughts about Davis Mills yesterday? The worst second-half team in football when it comes to scoring. Uh, Mills beat the Blitz four times in the first half, and Dorsett, of course, being the best one. He got rid of it, he threw it up, and he threw it well. And Dorsett didn't have to do a whole lot of fighting to bring it down. And uh, so it Mills was a little better than the previous game. Now he's got three playoff teams that are trying to be playoff bound. The Chargers, the 49ers, and the Titans. They're all in the running. Titans, of course, trying to secure the division. So it's going to be tougher. But I think that's good. You know, you don't want him going up against bad teams every week. When you're trying to evaluate him, Nick Casario, David Culley, Tim Kelly, Pep Hamilton, and Pep Hamilton deserves a lot of praise because he's the quarterback's coach. And uh, he also coached Justin Herbert. We're going to see him on Sunday. So those guys, when they're evaluating, you want to see guys in tough situations. And yesterday on that all-out blitz was so much better. You go back to the Miami game and you see how Tyrod Taylor responded to the Dolphins blitz. Terrible. and But he's getting better. That's a testament to – Mills, of course, and the guys coaching him. John, I think only four teams are eliminated from playoff contention. I mean, this is unbelievable. You have so many teams in both conferences that are still alive. So you can open up your presents on Christmas morning and have your team available, possible, to make the playoffs. I think it speaks highly of the way this whole thing has developed in the 17-game schedule. And it's too bad that uh, COVID-19 is playing such a role. But with these new rules where you want players to tell you when they feel bad, most players are not going to tell you when they feel bad. So that's opened them up to not tell you when they when they feel bad. And then the guys who are unvaccinated still get tested every day. But right now it's like we don't want to know who's got it because so many players have tested positive and can't play. And they're healthy. One team, I can't remember, I think it was Detroit last week, had about six guys out. Nobody noticed because it was the Lions. And they were healthy. And guys with the flu played, and they were throwing their guts up. And, and uh, it was they said wow. it was weird. Healthy guys on the sideline, ill guys being able to play. 
So they've adjusted that because they want to finish the season. And I, I think it's good. I mean, the experts have agreed to it. And I think it's good for the league. It's good for the fan bases that so many teams are in it. But there's a bunch of teams that we can say are not going to make it that haven't officially mm-hmm. been eliminated. It's not who's clawing so much at the bottom. It's who's competing for the top. You know, Arizona's second year in a row that they 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 haven't crumbled yet. You know, they'll they'll still make the playoffs, I'm guessing, but they gotta be worried when you're doing something for a second year in a row. Chiefs have the best record now in the AFC and they're on a roll. So I can't wait. Crunch time in December. The best time in NFL season is the first game in the playoffs. And then mm-hmm. crunch time is they jockey for the playoffs. That is exciting. Love getting a chance to catch up with the General John McClain. Before we're going to break, I want to remind all of you out there that single-game tickets are available for remaining home games. Experience that football feeling at NRG Stadium December 26th against the L.A. Chargers. Visit HoustonTexans.com slash tickets. And when you join a Houston Texans fan club for free, you get to attend exclusive events, enter to win prizes like autographed items and game tickets, receive special offers, and so much more. Visit HoustonTexans.com slash fans to see which one you want to join. We get back, go around the NFL. All that happened on a busy Sunday next on Texans All Access. Welcome back to our final segment of this Monday edition of Texans All Access. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst. And, you know, being in Jacksonville this weekend made me think about my, well, my old teaching days. And I'm calling all my Houston area teachers that were like me and wanted to bring a little something extra to your classroom. Well, you want to bring a little Texans football to your classrooms? Then sign up for Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. One of the guys I happened to run into yesterday, I was walking on the sidelines, and I hear, Coach Harris? I'm like, what? I turn around like, uh-oh. What, who? I turn around. It's one of my former students, one of my former players, Brett Bennett, one of the smartest kids I was around. Loved him. uh, Absolutely loved him. It was great to catch up with him for a little bit on the sideline uh, before the game. I haven't seen him in in 21 years, but just an incredible young man. And I'm sure that at some point I used some version of Toro's math drills back in the day before Toro was a thing. I did it. Um, And I would have done it and would continue to do it if I were still teaching with help from my friends at Conoco Phillips. Okay, let's go around the NFL. And you know how I like to do my around the NFL. I like to dive into the games, what they have meant, what they mean, what happened. It was a very interesting day in the NFL. So, you know what? Let's cue up some music and let's rock, baby. And start in Buffalo where the Bills ended a two-game skid with a 31-14 win over the reeling Carolina Panthers. Since starting 3-0, the Panthers are 2-9. Cam Newton struggled, only 156 yards passing, under 50% completion. He did run for 71 yards to lead the Panthers, but Josh Allen got back on it. 210 yards passing, three tutties. Devin Singletary, 86 yards rushing. That was great to see. Gabe Davis led the Bills with two touchdowns. 
Bills, Patriots, next week, the division is on the line in Foxborough. Panthers, like I said, fall to five and nine. The upset of the day, the Lions took on the Road Warriors, the Cardinals. The Cardinals were 7-0 on the road this year. 7-0. They're now 7-1 because the Lions went to work. Jared Goff was outstanding. 216, 216 yards on 21 of 26, three touchdowns. And then today he was put on the COVID-19 list. Yikes. But Craig Reynolds from Cutstown. Yes, Cutstown. Ran yesterday for 112 yards on 26 carries. Don't tell me you can't find a running back anywhere. I'm on Ross St. Brown. It's proven me wrong. I thought he would be a day three guy. He was a day three guy. But he's turned in a whale of a season. He had eight receptions, 90 yards, and a touchdown as the Lions beat the Cardinals. And now the Cardinals look like a mess. Ten and four. They are now trailing Green Bay, and Green Bay beat them. So it's essentially, like the general pointed out last segment, a two-game lead for the Packers over the Cardinals. It is not, not good. The Dolphins have won six in a row. Christian Wilkins caught a touchdown, the defensive lineman from Tua Tungavailoa. But the story of this day was a guy you've heard of, Duke Johnson. 22 carries, 107 yards, two touchdowns right there in the city in which he grew up. His college ball at that particular stadium as well as Miami wins 31-24. And the Miami Dolphins are now 7-7. What an outstanding turnaround for Brian Flores and crew. The Cowboys took on the Giants, and although the Cowboys' offense still sort of stuck in neutral, that defense is sick. Now, it was Mike Glennon. But they picked him off, not once, not twice, but three times. And they walk out of there with a 21-6 win over the G-Man who fought a 4-10. Dallas moves to 10-4, and, and that's the same record as the Arizona Cardinals. How about that? What a bounce-back year for the Cowboys. And they can thank Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs, and defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, who's done one heck of a job. The Tennessee Titans lost. <laughs> Sorry, man. I, I just, it's just that organization drives me insane. They had a 13 nothing lead. Or excuse me, 13-3 lead. My bad. Then the ghost of Ben Roethlisberger scored a touchdown. I made 13-10. Then the Wizard of Boz hit three field goals in the fourth quarter. And Joe Hayden came up with the biggest tackle of the season. That moves Pittsburgh to 7-6-1, and one, keeps them in a the playoff chase. Tennessee falls to 9-5. and five. And, yes, you did hear John McClain in our last segment point out, Tennessee did beat Indianapolis twice. But the way things are trending for Tennessee, it's a game with the 49ers. And I can't remember who is after the 49ers. But, oh, it's the Dolphins. In Tennessee. So Tennessee plays the next two at home, but it's 49ers who are hot, then the Dolphins, hot, and then they come to Houston to play the Texans who beat them earlier. If the Titans can just get a win, I think the Colts would have to win all three. Now, if the Titans get two wins, it's done. So they got to win two of the three. The way the Titans are playing, that is not a lock. 19 to 13 Steelers get that win. Titans just miserable. 
Although, Dante Foreman, Deontay Foreman, over 100 yards rushing, good for him. The Bengals and the Broncos. Guess who now leads the AFC North? That's right. The, no, the, no, Pittsburgh, no, Cincinnati. That's right. The defense was the story. Joe Burrow only threw for 157 yards on the day. He did throw a touchdown to Tyler Boyd. But the defense held the Broncos in check. Teddy Bridgewater went out of that game, and, boy, it did not look good. He took a hard fall, hit his head. Drew Locke came in, did throw a touchdown, but could not lead the Broncos back. Bengals moved to 8-6 and six and moved to the top of the AFC North. Why? Because the Packers and Ravens played a barn burner, just unbelievable game. The Packers had a 14-point lead at 31-17 after a Mason Crosby field goal. I have, in watching a lot of games, and it, it really solidified when the Bucks played the Eagles earlier this year. The Eagles were down by 14, scored, went for two, and got it, and moved the score to six. And I thought, you know what? Whenever I'm down 14 from now on, I'm going for two after the first touchdown. Well, the Ravens didn't. They scored and kicked the extra point to get it to seven. They scored again on a Tyler Huntley eight-yard run, and it was at that point they went for two in the win. And it got knocked away by Darnell Savage. Green Bay Packers walked out of there 31-30 to winners. Mark Andrews went crazy for the Ravens, 136 yards receiving two touchdowns. Huntley was great with two touchdowns and 215 yards passing, 73 yards rushing, two touchdowns rushing, rushing. But Aaron Rodgers, three touchdowns, one to Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, one to Devontae Adams. Packers win. Packers win the NFC North, now the number one seed in the NFC. And if this thing goes through Green Bay again, I got a feeling, yeesh. But that loss to the Ra- by the Ravens and the win by the Bengals moves the Bengals up in the number one spot. How about that in the AFC North? 49ers beat the Falcons 31-13. And the Saints put a goose egg on the Bucks 9-0. My goodness. Hey, as you're watching Monday Night Football today, Raiders-Browns, and tonight, get yourself a Miller Lite. It's a true Texas original since 1975. Miller Lite's a championship part of the Houston Texans. Celebrate responsibly, Miller Brewing Company, Forward, Texas. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Nothing goes better with Monday night than a Miller Lite. A big thanks to Andre, to John McClain, to Mark Vandermeer, of course, all of you. We'll see you tomorrow, and as always, go Texans.